0: Welcome to Corporate Cornucopia, the podcast that's overflowing with business insights, entrepreneurial tips, and stories from the front lines of today's economic landscape. From the Kyerville Chamber of Commerce, I'm your host, Mark Heiberger.
1: And I'm your other host, Noel Fenderson. Today, we speak with Alex Castle, master distiller at Old Dominic's Distillery in downtown Memphis. Making spirits isn't as much a job as it is a calling and Alex Castle found hers early on. As a Kentucky native, there's a passion for good bourbon that runs deep. As a chemical engineer, there's a love of the process that takes something simple and makes it sublime. Her talent, passion, and creativity are why she was supervising Wild Turkey's 24 hour a day operation at only 24 years old and why we're proud to have her continue the old Dominic legacy. For her many accomplishments and tireless pursuit of excellence, Alex Castle was appointed as the state of Tennessee's first female head distiller. She now holds the title Master Distiller and Senior Vice President. In 2020, Alex was elected the first female president of the Tennessee Distillers Guild a position she still holds today. Alex also represents craft distillers across the country as a member of the Craft Advisory Council for the Distilled Spirits Council of America. Alex, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yes, and and thank you, uh, Alex. Thank you for... Uh, Taking time out of your busy day, Uh, we were just talking before we uh, started recording that you you all are bottling right now, and that's where you probably really ought to be. (laughs) But you uh, were nice enough to come all the way to Carnival and be on our podcast, so we thank you for that.
2: Thank you. Fortunately, I have a really good team, so I'm not too terribly nervous about what's happening at the distillery right now.
0: And uh also wanted to thank you for being a, a speaker at our Women's uh, Leadership Luncheon a few months ago. It was one of the best attended and one of the ones with the most follow-up questions. And
1: I heard it was the best gifts. But, yeah, you know, it was the definitely best the, the best
0: gifts, yes. So, it,
2: hel- it helps when you shop with a little bit of <laughs> bourbon, you yeah. know? Yeah,
0: everybody asked before she, the day or two before, is she bringing samples? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, But um to 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 maximize our our time i wanted to just jump right in and and ask because i think at least it it seems that you know people are so curious about how you got into this field you know somewhere in your background something crossed paths with you and and you took this path can you can you kind of take us back and tell us a little about that
2: absolutely um being from Kentucky probably doesn't hurt. Um, mm-hmm. It the heart of, of whiskey in America. Um, so I guess you kind of grow up with it. But uh, I was in high school, so 20 years ago. Um, fell in love with chemistry and physics and was trying to figure out what to do with that um, as far as a degree and then beyond that, a career. And my mom suggested chemical engineering. I said, okay, cool. I have no idea what that what that is and what they do. And she said, you can make beer and be a brewmaster, or you can make bourbon and be a master distiller. And how, I how those were she, the first ones. Those we're, were the first ones out of her mouth, I promise. How,
0: about, I want to stay on track, but just out of curiosity, <laughs> how, <word laughs> how did a, you would think that a mom would come up with, uh, you can make uh, uh, be a
2: doctor. drugs
0: that <laughs> save people's lives or something? But what?
2: Um, so I think I think she found chemical engineering just through reading articles. Um, because my brother is about to graduate high school too, so I think she was just reading on um, up and coming majors in fields of study and came across chemical engineering. How she connected it to distillery, That's what I, mean. I really I still to this day don't know because at that point, most of the master distillers in Kentucky didn't have that as a background. Wow. They just kind of either it's family, yeah. um, and they came up through the ranks or they just started at the bottom of the yeah. ladder and and went up nowadays it's much much more common to hear that um so no i actually still to this day have no idea how she connected the dots
0: on that one i got you off course <laughs> you're about.
2: but yeah so she suggested that um and really i thought i would go into beer i don't know why that just seemed more interesting to me um and so decided to go to the university of Kentucky studied chemical engineering while I was there, did a co-op. They encourage all engineering students to, to do a co-op or an internship and uh, ended up getting on with a what was a very small company at the time called Alltech in uh, Nicholasville, Kentucky, just outside of Lexington. And the reason I went with them is they had a small brewery called Kentucky Ale. I didn't get on at the brewery i was actually in the engineering office um had some fun projects with it but while i was there they actually brought two copper stills over from scotland had them installed at the brewery and that was actually my second project was helping to commission them and start the distillery up and so um got to fill the first hundred or so barrels of what would be pure science reserve. And it was through that, that I realized, yeah, brewing's fun. That's a fun environment, but I, I needed that additional step of distillation. Um, and so it was, it was the whiskey world for me.
1: Oh, wow, that's incredible. And so you're in Kentucky, right? Mm-hmm. How in the world do you end up here from from Kentucky?
2: Um, so yeah, I, uh, graduated Ended up at Wild Turkey for four years as a production supervisor, um, helping commission their new facility. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, did not plan on leaving Wild Turkey. <laughs> I, I thought I was where I was going to stay. Yeah, And uh, ended up getting a message on LinkedIn. Wow. From a consultant group that was working with the Canale family down here in Memphis. And it was just, do you know anyone who might want to move to Memphis and help start up a distillery? I was like, Ooh. Took about two days. I was like, that sounds kind of fun. Let's try. And so, submitted my resume. And wow, let's see. That was probably April. And by September, I was in Memphis. Wow.
0: And that was how many years ago? Seven. Wow. And um, did, they, did you come here and check out the, the, envi- the community, the environment, the, the city of Memphis? I if absolutely
2: you will. did. Yeah. Um, of course, I had to come down for an in person interview. Um, and neither my husband nor myself had ever been to Memphis before. Um, so my interviews are both of our time, first times in Memphis. Um, and we decided to extend it a little bit, I think we came in on a Thursday or something and it just so happened to be barbecue fest. (laughs) It was great timing. Um, so they actually, yep, they took me down to the river. Um, so I got to experience that my first night in town. Uh, of course they got me some barbecue and then even, uh, it was a playoff game. For the Grizzlies, it was game six with um, Golden State and they got us tickets. And so we got to go.
1: (laughs) And now we know why you're a Memphian. (laughs) It it was,
2: we could not have asked for a better weekend to experience Memphis for the first time. Wow. Um, And then, of course, made a return trip after making the decision to come to Memphis to look for an apartment. But again, kind of did a longer, longer trip to where we could explore different parts of town, check out some of the local breweries and just really get to know the city um but we we fell in love almost immediately
0: wow when you say check out local what what other local breweries were you scouting out
2: um so the the first one we discovered was wiseacre and i should say my husband found it while i was at my job interview (laughs) 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 tells you about our relationship (laughs) i'm working he's getting to have fun (laughs) um and so that was our our first one that we found um and of course, Ghost River didn't have a tap room at the time, so we didn't really get to get to experience them um, for a little bit. But found Memphis Made because you know, we we found Cooper Young very quickly. Love that area, um, so we found Memphis Made and got to got to enjoy them and High Cotton. And I want to say those were actually the only breweries in town at the time, probably. And it's, it's been exploded a little bit yeah, since how then. How many are there now? Um, I want to say it's doubled since I've wow. been here.
1: It just in that short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Wow. What, it actually what, might
2: more than doubled, actually.
1: And what is the reason for that?
2: Um, I think it's what, what I've discovered about Memphis, and I've had Memphians tell me this, the city moves a little bit slower than, than other cities. So I think it's just the craft beer boom that we were seeing everywhere else. Like in Lexington, when we were there, it was booming. Everything was just popping up. And I think it just finally caught up in Memphis yeah. um, to where finally there was enough of um, a consumer base for craft beer that it finally just finally took off
1: and so you're a master distiller yes so how many master distillers come alongside all the all these that are popping up
2: um whether you choose to use the title master distiller or master brewer um is honestly it's a personal decision it's a okay. um company decision uh, sometimes you'll hear head brewer, or head distiller, and they'll use it in the exact same capacity. It's it's the person at the top making all the production decisions, um, and that's how I started when I was at Old Dominic. My my title was head distiller, and then a couple years in after doing whiskeys, after developing the vodkas and doing the gin, finally kind of felt I had gotten to a point where I could respectfully take the title of master distiller
0: wow so where was where was old dominic in its evolution when you got here when you took the job i i I know where it was but i mean yeah in scale of where it is today where was it when you took over
2: yeah so september of 2015 when i moved here um they had the building Mm -hmm. that we're in 305 south front street and they'd done the demo work So they had cleaned it up, but that was about it. It was a completely empty building. Um, The equipment had been ordered through Vendom. So the uh, manufacturing process of that had started because that's usually a solid year timeline to get the equipment made. Um, So they had started that process. They had actually started working on the toddy. So I came in about halfway through the development process of the toddy, so I got to see finish that out. Um, and they kind of actually had started production or development of the Honey Bell vodka as well. Um, but at the time, they were using real fruit. And so when I came on board, and we we finally found the flavor profile we liked, we had to I had to make the decision to switch away from real fruit and found a, a natural extract to use. Um, but so we had some products in development. Um, they had started designing packaging, but where they were with the packaging at that point is radically different than what the consumer ended up seeing in 2017 when we launched.
0: So Um, did you, and that, that, that was kind of where I was going with my initial question. Did you, when you came along, were you able to begin to kind of influence the vision of the, of the whole project?
2: very much so um and at the time we were a very small team as well there were probably only about six of us maybe seven of us on the team at the time um and i i got to be a part of every conversation so i got to be a part of the packaging and branding conversations wow uh so i did get to have an opinion on on what that ultimately ended up looking like and like i said it was a very drastic change from when i started to what we ended up with i uh, got to be a part of the interior design conversations
0: i was going to ask you about that too like Did, did their vision have the, the interior bar and all of that in the rooftop or did, did that sort of come?
2: They always knew they wanted the, the guest experience. They knew they wanted it to be welcoming, inviting. So we always knew it would be a place with tours. We always knew it would be a place with tastings. Um, bar was wishful thinking at that time because in Tennessee we weren't legally allowed to serve cocktails. Um, that came later. So that big bar in the center actually was always our tasting bar because we couldn't have cocktails. And once Mm. we were able to Mm. do cocktails, got our bar program up to snuff. um, We actually had to relocate our tasting bar to a different part of the building to allow the two to, to live simultaneously. Uh, But they did, they always wanted it to be a place where people could gather. It was just, it evolved over time as the laws allowed us.
1: So what, so going back to the, the master distiller role, like what, what does that look like? What are some of your day-to-day responsibilities and what all is involved in that?
2: So no two days are the same. That's for sure. Um, so definitely involved in product development. Work with the team to ensure consistency, um, quality across all of our products, whether it's new make whiskey, so mashing, fermentation, distillation, um, or even product blending. So when we're dumping barrels, making sure that all that's there, I work with, um, the sales team to work on our projections. So what do we think we're going to sell in the next six months? Mm -hmm. Um, and then take that back to production and schedule the bottling and blending of all of those things and so very very much head, hands on on that front but then also as master distiller I'm very much um, one of the faces of the company and so I do a lot of PR I okay. do a lot of sales work Yeah. so I travel to all of our different markets mm-hmm. and I'll do in-store tastings I'll do dinners um, meet with our distributors make sure they're all happy um, and
1: if they're not you just provide them a drink right? I, exactly <laughs>
2: U- usually when I'm in town they're happy <laughs> <laughs> they could just be putting on a show at that point, um, but getting to do that, then doing interviews, speaking at lunches and things like that, um, hosting private tours, even um, coming up—I'll be at the Metal Museum for an event, host—you know, doing a, a tasting there, and it's—it's it's kind of all over the place.
0: Wow. Um. <laughs> It, you know it sounds like that somewhere and it and it's still in your in your blood, I know, but it's that there was this like scientific creative person, and it's still there, mm-hmm. but it sounds like did you i mean when you were starting out, did you ever like earlier also you also described a part of your day as dealing with shipping and container boats being parked in the ocean and just supply chain issues, and so I kind of Wonder did you know you've evolved from you know what you know on the outside looking in sometimes we perceive someone like you as the creative little mad scientist that makes all these cool you know whiskeys and vodkas but it sounds like you're also you've evolved into a CEO I mean a day to day person running a major operation do you do you still get to dabble in the I mean, how do you blend all that?
2: It's it's tough because there is so much to do and there's definitely never enough time in the day, never enough days in the week. Um and so it's it's learning to delegate. So I actually just brought in a production manager. Hopefully, I'll get him up to speed. You know, in the next couple of weeks, so I can start to hand off some more of the administrative stuff. Um, have him watch the boats that are are out in the ocean with our bottles yeah. on it, um, <laughs> so that I can get back in the lab. But it is it's just it's time management. It's balancing it all. Um, learning to prioritize what needs to be done and what that time frame is um, fortunately I have always been hyper organized um, I like logistics so it that being naturally that way helps me figure out how to do all of the various aspects of this job yeah um somewhat efficiently I don't know <laughs> <laughs> some days are better than others
1: yeah well we talked about you know a little of the logistics prior to going live and so have you seen an increase in the need, uh, like has, has coming through a global pandemic increased the your product need?
2: Uh, we definitely saw an uptick in the middle of the pandemic okay. um, for off-premise retail stores. Okay because um, obviously no one was going out to bars. So yeah. that dipped off, but the stores more than made up for that dip. Okay. Um, and it kind of seems like consumers have continued that, that trend, that home cocktail making trend that started in the middle okay. of the pandemic. Um, so we're definitely seeing at least the volume maintain itself from okay. what we saw, but there's also that craving for new products. They want okay. variety. Um, so it's coming up with, Another project, another product, another product to try and keep their interest. Hopefully they always go back to the tried and true as well. I
1: mean, but is that how many different products do you have? I don't even know at this point. It's that um, many.
2: Hey, well, because we do special distillery releases. Okay. Um, that's where I really get to be creative because they're super small batch.
1: So give us an example of that. Like we got October, right? Is there like a special Halloween blend?
2: No, no Halloween blend. We um, do have a, a barrel rested gin. Okay. That should be coming out. Gin's usually a spring or summer spirit, but okay. I put it in a barrel and suddenly it becomes more fall friendly. <laughs> um, so that's, that's one that's coming up. But we also in that line, this is probably the most fun is our partnership with Metalson Brewing. Yeah. brewing. Um, they take our barrels, put beer in them, and then we take the barrels back and put bourbon back in. Wow. And so later this year, hopefully we'll see if the timing works out. We'll have our, all the cookies, bourbon back out. Um, I know that's, that's been a popular one that people <laughs> love, uh, and a couple of others like that. So that one's, that's the fun product line.
1: Wow. And what role have you seen technology, uh, change your industry over the years?
2: It, it's made it safer. Okay. For one, um, a lot of different aspects of distilling and that environment can be dangerous. It's you're rolling 500 pound barrels that don't want to roll straight. Mm -hmm. Um, so a lot of injuries associated with that, uh, you're distilling high proof alcohol. So very flammable, combustible, explosive in the wrong conditions,
1: um,
2: grain dust, same thing. It's incredibly dangerous. And so automation is one thing it, you no longer have to be next to all of this equipment. You can monitor it from a computer also means you're monitoring everything at one time. So you can tell if there is a problem and pr- keep it from becoming mm. a disaster. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so it's largely, that's what it, the changes have done is made it safer for, for most of us.
0: Wow. Um, a few minutes ago, you were talking about um, creating new products, always keeping new products coming and, I've always wanted to like, without giving away trade secrets or anything, but how do you just, how how do you sit down and just think, well, I'm going to come out with a new, a new bourbon and it's going to taste like this, or I want it to taste like that. How do you? How do you do that? I don't. It's fascinating so, to me how you.
2: A lot of it's a lot of it. At least the idea starts usually with either our sales team or marketing team coming back saying, "Hey, I was just out in the market, and every consumer that came up to the tasting table asked about barrel finishing or something." You know, they they
1: What's come that? back and say, What's "This barrel sounds great." Finishing?
2: So, barrel finishing is you'll take a bourbon. So, a bourbon has to go into a new charred oak container barrel. To be a bourbon, what a lot of distilleries have done to try and get additional flavors into their whiskeys is then taking that aged bourbon and putting it in yet another barrel. Hmm. You can put it in another new oak container, and that'll be double oaked. You can put it in a sherry, a used sherry um, barrel, a wine barrel, cognac barrel. Um, I we had someone in Tennessee do a Tabasco barrel those are all barrel finishings and it's just another way to get a new flavor that doesn't just naturally happen in fermentation or normal barrel aging. It's a way to get new flavors at it. Um, but that's usually where the idea starts is someone just, you know, we need something new and this is what I keep hearing out in the market. And so then from there it's one figuring out if that flavor is even achievable. Um, sometimes it's not, but, um, It's just um, trial and error. So even doing the gins, um, I did uh, 50 some batches of gin before coming up with our final recipe.
0: Is a batch a barrel or what's Fortunately
2: for gin, we have a tiny little one liter still in the lab. And so we can do very, very small batches. Um, So low cost, um, low loss, if it's a really Mm -hmm. bad batch, who cares, it's less than a liter of liquid. Um, Whereas for bourbon, especially on the larger scale for us, like the partnership with Medalsim, it was a barrel. So when we first took that, all the cookies barrel back from him, I didn't know if it really was going to work. It could have been a really terrible idea. Worst case scenario, I was going to lose about 53 gallons of bourbon. In the grand scheme of things, the payoff was worth the risk of, okay, I could have a really great product or I could lose 53 gallons (laughs) at And you just have to weigh the risk of of you know reward versus
0: that. when you when you lose fifty three gallons or whatever, do you literally lose it or do you all
2: depends on how bad it is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um fortunately we've i think we've only technically lost one experimental concept, and it was um barrel rusted vodka. We did two barrels. One of them succeeded. It was our coffee vodka. The other one, my team wanted to do cherries in, and it failed miserably. We tried to save it, um, and it was one of those that it was by the end. It was so bad that we ended up just dumping it.
1: And so, where we, do you dump it?
2: So for um, alcohol, we literally will proof it down. So it was super high proof, flammable. Mm-hmm. Proof it down to like twenty percent alcohol. Like get it low. Yeah. And then you can dump it down the drain. Wow. Uh, Yeah, it's a little sad, but that's how it
1: goes. (laughs) It's just stuff you never think about, you know? Wow.
2: It's very sad watching the alcohol (laughs) get
0: down the drain. So
1: you you said that um,
0: I, I think consumers might come in, sit around or talk. And I guess in other places and some of your salespeople come across them and, the, and our con, consumers sitting out there talking about barrel science and stuff or people that drink. Uh, Nowadays, I, yeah. I guess there are right. It's and they know enough about it to actually have somewhat of a.
2: Absolutely. intelligent the consumer in the last 10 to 15 years has become so much more educated than ever before. Um, they're starting to understand the chemistry of it and the science behind it. Um, But also it helps that there are so many brands out there and, you know, people travel. So even if they can't get that product here in Tennessee, they may have gone to Colorado and seen this crazy, weird experimental concept whiskey out there and then come back and they're talking to their friends about it. And then suddenly it's, they're talking to distilleries wow. in Tennessee about it. Um, so they they absolutely are sitting around, hmm. you know, tasting this whiskey versus that whiskey and then talking about what they prefer and even potentially, oh, wouldn't it be better if they did this? Um, so those conversations absolutely are happening nowadays.
1: Wow. And so as this is growing, like what would you advise somebody that w- that's wanting to get into it and be a a distiller? Like what what would you share
2: um well first off you do not need a chemical engineering degree it's it's not necessary um i think it helps just because you automatically under you've already learned Mm -hmm. what distillation is and the concepts behind it because that's that's an entire semester's worth of class in a chemical engineering degree um but be willing to just start at the bottom do the grunt work it's it's dirty work it's sweaty work you're going to be sore because you tossed around 50 pound bags of grain all day, but be willing to do that and know that it's worth it because this industry is phenomenal. It's a very welcoming industry. It's a very fun industry. Mm-hmm. Um, the people in it as well as the consumers the, yeah. I enjoy interacting with the consumers just as much as I do other distillers. Um, but get in it and just work your way up, learn every aspect of it that you possibly can but also just remember to enjoy it. If you're not having fun in this industry, you probably shouldn't be in it.
1: (laughs) And do you do tours?
2: We absolutely do tours. Um, we're open Wednesday through Sunday. Okay. Um, we have not open as long on Wednesdays, but you can check out our website, all dominic.com. Um, go to the tours. You can book your tours online.
1: Um, So paint a picture for us for the listeners out there. So we get there, what are, what are we going to experience on this tour?
2: So our tour, we, we don't believe in hiding anything behind curtains. And so it starts off with history, our family history. Um, I should say the Canale family history. Everyone thinks I'm a Canale uh, (laughs) and I'm not, um, but you know, takes it all the way back to 1866 to our, our company's founding. Wow. Um, the history of old dominant cause it does predate prohibition. Um, the founding of the original Dominic toddy bottle, that product would become the Memphis toddy that we have now. And then once you finish the history section, then you move into production you see our bottling line. If you're there on Thursdays and Fridays, um, before three o'clock, you probably are actually going to see bottling taking place. Um, and then from there, you learn about our grains, our mashing, our fermentation, distillation. You see it all. You can taste the fermenters if you want to. Taste the grain that's in there. Um, and then you finish with the tasting. So you get to taste our our full lineup of products. And then you can either before the tour or after the tour, belly up to the bar and, and order a cocktail that has nothing but old Dominic spirits in it.
1: Wow. Have you done it, Mark?
0: I, I, I've. Taken the tour, I've attended a homeowners association meeting there at, at, at one point, uh, for, for a downtown homeowners group that I, I was friends with some folks with, we, we've had a meeting there. So I've been in the, have been in the old dominic quite a few times, um, beautiful rooftop. I mean, it's, it's an incredible view. Is it?
2: the view is the view is gone so when we first opened in 2017 we had a gorgeous view of the bridge. and so when they added the light show to it it was phenomenal Um, and then the Uh One Beal project um, it's great for the downtown it's great seeing construction but we now have no view from our rooftop
1: (laughs) Can you just build up? I mean, let's just I take wish. it a few stories <laughs> higher. It would take quite a few stories. Yeah, yeah we, I mean, you gotta go way up oh there. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Yeah, they
2: they put up some some very tall buildings there at One Beal. But like I said, it's it's great to see the construction. Yeah. Just wish they had left us a little window.
0: Yeah. Oh uh, my um, Speaking of all the construction and growth down there, and the Hi- Hyatt. Yeah, the Hyatt. Hyatt. The hotel and everything. Do do a lot of people from out of town come through and take the tour or visit the?
2: We get so many out of towners, um, especially if there's a you know a Tigers game, football or basketball. The the away you know the visiting team. They always have visitors here, Um, but we do. We get a ton of people from the Hyatt. We've got really good relationships with the um, bartenders and whatnot at their various um, restaurants, and so they actually will send them to us and i think we even have um little cards that we keep at each of the different hyatt hotels that have um tour discounts on them specific to guests staying there so we absolutely see a lot of tourists come through yeah
1: and what about you what what is your drink of choice the master distiller what is what is she drinking
2: normally i'm actually just drinking a honey bell and soda
1: that you made
2: i don't i don't make it lord knows i'm a terrible bartender I don't know um, if you're like
1: making your own back there. they don't they don't <laughs> let me
2: behind the bar which is the smartest move they can do um but usually honey bone soda because it's light it's easy low alcohol um but one of my favorite ones that we have at the bar is cocoa beware and it's a chocolate horchata deliciousness <laughs> i don't even know what all is in it I don't ask questions. I, they just pour it, and I drink it.
1: Oh, what's it like drinking your own drink that you have a part of the taste? It's and?
2: it's very fun because um, yeah. we we also make products specifically for the bar because in, in Tennessee you have to. So I had to learn how to make absinthe and aqua and amaro and fernet. Um, we make an orange carousel, which is like a triple sec. Um, we had to make all that. So it literally everything that goes into that drink, either I made or our bar manager made.
0: Wow. When you, when you say like, but you just, you, you made this, we made that, we made, we had to make all, do you, does all that run through the same Equipment process the
2: bar product um, because we use so little we're actually able to use our little lab still so that little one liter still and so like the aquavie and the absinthe we make one bottle at a time Um, not the most efficient process but as of right now that's what we do Um, our equipment unfortunately is just too big to be able to make the bar product on it without making like an eighteen month supply at once.
1: Is that typically how the supply you're you're making? Like, what is the 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 amount that you typically make?
2: We make about a for the bar. We do it, like I said, a bottle or two at a time, and we'll do that twice a month.
1: Okay, and twice that a gets month. us through okay. it.
2: Whereas what comes off the still, to give you an idea, we'll do three gin distillations, and that will give us two hundred and fifty cases of gin.
1: Wow, and this is shipping all over everywhere. We
2: are in. I think it's about. Twelve to thirteen states at this point, mainly the southeast. Okay. Um, but we just hit up Texas this year. Mm-hmm. Um, we are a little bit north. We're in Wisconsin, yeah, um, Kentucky, Missouri, Arkansas, South Carolina, Georgia. Wow, I forget where it's. It's on the website. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when well, you uh, we're just we have just a couple more minutes. I, I wanted to ask you that you know today sitting here talking to you or even in the last year or two to, to to visualize you running a big distillery is just very easy for us to comprehend but 8 or 10 or years ago 15 years ago being of such a knowledgeable and talented climbing the ranks if you will female what was that like you know for you starting out
2: so I'll I'll be honest. I didn't know when I decided to do chemical engineering that that was weird. That yeah. only men did it. I, I had no idea. Um, and same with distilling. I didn't know going into it that I was the oddball um, choosing to do this thing. So I actually didn't even see those hurdles. I didn't I didn't know there was a glass ceiling um, at all.
1: Because you're the first female in tennessee Mm -hmm. that's right yeah yeah it's incredible
2: yeah and i i did not know that when i took the job um so i i truthfully didn't see any of that now looking back um one i was very fortunate my boss when i was on co-op was my biggest cheerleader he didn't care you know i was 21 you know and he trusted me with the distillery um again fortunate at wild turkey my my direct boss it was phenomenal. He he fought to get me on the team um, and was even grooming me to take his place. But also looking back, I do see where there were some people who did not think that a 20-something-year-old female should be doing what I was doing. Now, fortunately, I didn't report to those people and yeah. I didn't really work with them too terribly closely on the day-to-day. So I was able to ignore them. Wow. And they were so few and far between in my experience that i I really didn't even feel the impact of their opinions
0: yeah today do you have young aspiring females that want to get into this industry call you or reach out to you or look to you for a little of guidance and advice
2: i they, i do um they they managed to find me on instagram or linkedin or something um and reach out for, for any introductions I can make. I actually was just at the University of Kentucky, my, my alma mater, and uh, was speaking to engineering students about getting into this industry, which was not cool. something that would have happened when I was in yeah. school. Yeah. This wasn't a career path when I was in school. Um, but getting to talk to them um, about cool. what it is to get into this industry. And I'm fortunate I have uh, two two women on my production team, and we we only got seven people. So we're, you know, decently, decently balanced on that. Um, But it's I I love seeing anyone want to get into this industry.
0: It's got to be very fulfilling to go back to the University of Kentucky and, you know, kind of speak with the success you've had and, you know, doesn't it? I mean, to, and to talk oh. to young people and
2: I, I couldn't believe it. I've gone back twice now in the last couple of months. Um, just having them ask me to come back is just humbling. And I, I, who am I? Why do you want me to come back? Um, I wasn't that great of an engineering student, um, <laughs> but, but to go back and see one, just the growth of the department, the class I spoke to earlier, um, back in August, it had to be double to triple the size of my class at that point because um, wow. it's they were juniors and seniors. We, we did not have that many in our class by that point. <laughs> um, so to see the growth, but then to hear so much interest from the students about being in this industry, I was the only one in my class that wanted to do it. My professors thought it was a waste of a degree to want to go into distilling. Wow. Um, so to see the evolution of the university and the college and how they've changed their mindset Of what it is we do, it's amazing.
0: Wow. Are those professors still
1: there?
2: Yes, yes, they are, actually.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm sure that's fun for her as well. (laughs) Say hi to them.
2: (laughs) It was. It was good to see them and be like, yeah, I did it.
1: Thank you. Wow.
2: But now, I mean, they now have the James B. Beam Institute, and a lot of the engineering professors are involved in that. And it's basically a school within the university to. Teach all aspects of the distilling industry, yeah, and to experiment, they're doing all that innovation for us. Um, But to see that, even that, would never have been on UK's campus. Yeah, yeah. Ten years ago, when I was there.
1: Wow. Well, having heard, not being able to to be at the the women's luncheon and just hear how inspirational you are, I'm glad I got to sit down with you. Just see your passion, just what you've done is incredible. So. Well, I'm so happy to have a chance to interview you.
2: I'm happy to be here. This is fun.
0: Well, thank you uh again for um coming all the way from the river to the rails out here <laughs> uh, from downtown Memphis to Takayerville in the middle of of bottling your your product to do this. And uh, thank you as as Noel said, you're you're an inspiration to uh, Tremendous asset to the city of Memphis and the Memphis area. And we just thank you for uh, being on our podcast and, and doing some other things with the Collierville Chamber of Commerce. Thank you. Thank you. And that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to Corporate Cornucopia. This episode was brought to you by our sponsor, My Town Roofing. Replacing your roof shouldn't be a hassle. It should be a smooth process done in a timely manner and, most importantly, at a reasonable price. My Town Roofers has thousands of satisfied customers. Check them out at MyTownRoofing.com. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, head on over to www.colliervillechamber.com to access our notes, join the conversation, or leave a good review.